the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses read. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, If you haven't heard the show before, listen, welcome. Glad you joined us. But this show is in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court. And right now, that's extremely important, avoid going through court, avoiding probate. And as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Today we have a full house. My wife Beth is here. Hi, everybody. My son Michael. Hello, everyone. And one of our new attorneys, Alex Whitaker. Hi. Hooray. <laughs> so, Alex, uh, um, where did you go to high school right now? Uh, I went to high school at Xavier okay. on 30 West 16th Street. See, so you guys could almost probably do an alumni group at this office, <laughs> right? Yeah, because there are four of you now from Xavier. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Really like a bad smell. I can't get rid of us. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it's the Kool-Aid. That's well, what I keep hearing. Yeah. So in, in any event, Alex, you know, when we start, uh, you know, do you have a question that either you've heard a lot of in, in the last couple of weeks or one of our email questions? Sure. Um, what I've seen a lot of clients uh, concerned about is their assets and holding on to their assets as they get older but need from uh, Medicaid or Medicare. So uh, my question for you is, I want to protect my assets, but I don't want to lose control over my money or my house. Is the trust form the right form for me? Well, in any event, like if you own real estate, really you do want to do a trust because you don't want your house to go through probate. Because right now we have people, or co-ops for that matter, because right now we have people, they want to sell their co-op after their parents are gone. They have a buyer. They can't close the deal because we don't have what we call letters or authorization from the court to sell the property. And, you know, it's very aggravating that you got a buyer and you want to get rid of the property and you got your mortgage payments coming up, you got your maintenance payments, a co-op, you own a house, you got your real estate taxes and your insurance, and you're paying those bills each month and you can't close because the courts are semi-closed. So it, it's very important to avoid probate if you want to help your heirs. And the only effective way to avoid probate is, as far as real estate is concerned is through a trust agreement. Now... There are two main different types of trusts 
that we use. And, and don't get ever hooked up on the, what you call a trust, the name of a trust. Um, but the two main types of the trust that you can establish while you're alive are revocable trust and irrevocable trust. A revocable trust fits the bill where you avoid probate. We can use the tax laws to our advantage, which right now in New York, we can leave $6 million for each person tax-free through a trust. So if we got a husband and wife, we can leave almost $12 million tax-free through a trust. We can do the same thing with an irrevocable trust. Irrevocable trust is kind of like a partnership between the parents and the children. And the reason I say parents and children is because I would say 90% of the irrevocable trusts we do are between parents and children. It could be a nephew or niece. It could be a significant other. It could be a domestic partner. But 90% of the trusts we do are between parents and children. It's a partnership between them. The parents can't sell the house without the children. The children can't sell the house without the parents. But the parents still in New York were very lucky. You still have some control over an irrevocable trust. An irrevocable trust is not really an irrevocable trust in New York. The parents can fire the kids as trustees. They can fire the trustees. They can change the trustees. And in effect, they can, through that, they can exercise a lot of power over the, the trust document. So if the kids don't want to sell the house, you want to sell the house, you fire the kids, and you get another trustee. And again, that's one of the choices. You know, it is one of the inherent conflicts you know, on what type of trust to choose. Both trusts, revocable, irrevocable, will avoid probate. Both trusts, we can take advantage of the tax laws and get $12 million out tax-free between a married couple, husband and wife. But again, it could be an uncle and aunt. doesn't necessarily have to be a married couple. Um, so e both trusts will avoid probate and get the assets out tax-free. If you want unlimited control, there's very, very, very little asset protection. If you want to protect your assets from medical bills, nursing home bills. And, and that's one of the biggest problems we have today in New York. The average cost of a nursing home is in excess of $15,000 a month. And, you know, there are a lot of families, if they don't plan in advance, they can be very easily bankrupted. And that's one of the main reasons some people do an irrevocable trust. And if you have family members you can trust, you know, you got kids you can rely on, then I would strongly recommend you think about doing an irrevocable trust protect those assets from medical bills. We start the, the what we call the look-back period on assets in the trust. For nursing homes right now, it's five-year look-back period, so that's 60 months. If we put assets in an irrevocable trust, let's say in April, May is month number one on that five-year clock. Um, home care, Medicaid, the rules are going to be changing. If you want to put an application in right away, we still do not have a look-back period for home care, Medicaid, community Medicaid, but that law will be changing, and if you want to start the clock, that's going to be 30 months. So let's say for the sake of argument, you don't need home care Medicaid. You don't need to put an application in now in the next few months or by the end of the year. We're not sure when the law is going to change. Right now it looks like it's going to be the end of the year. So starting next year in 2022, which almost sounds like science fiction, um, the laws will change, and it'll be a 30-month look-back period for home care Medicaid. And I know I'm throwing things out there, and you might be confused, and you're not sure about it, and what's the right thing for you. But if you want, give us a call at Connors and Sullivan, and we'll talk it over. And you make the choices based on what your preferences are, what your goals are. But again, if you have children you can trust, you can work together as a team. And listen, I hear every story in the world. I've heard every story in the world. I've seen everything happen. But there are very few children who will not do the right thing for their parents. And... 
you know, am I saying every single child? No, but very few children won't do the right thing for their parents. Even if they fight with their brothers and sisters, they still probably will do the the right thing for their parents. So if, if you have children you can trust, I would strongly recommend you think about it doing an irrevocable trust. It's kind of like a partnership. It's not like the kids can sell the house from out from under you. They can't do that. You work as a partnership, as a team. And then you're kind of like the senior partner because you can fire them. And the same, a lot of people say that, well, you know, I got a stock portfolio and I don't want to lose control of it. And you ask them, well, how many times do you trade on the portfolio? Well, I, I hardly ever trade. The broker does most, most of the trades. Well, then you can put that asset in the trust. The broker can still do the trades. And technically the forms on that are, are going to be signed by, you know, by your kids to authorize them as trustees. But you still really have control because if your kids don't do what you want them to do, you can fire them. So anyway, you know, thanks for that question, Alex. It wasn't a, a, a simple one. Tell us something about yourself. We, we know you went to Xavier High School. You live here, out here in Bay Ridge? Yeah, so I like to say, uh, just like a, a Bay Ridge pizzeria, pizza wagon, I'm a true Bay Original uh, <laughs> because I've been born and raised here. I was born in a Methodist hospital, haven't left, except for the four years I was at Fordham, but even then, that was only while I was in classes. Um, so as I said, I went to Fordham for undergrad. Uh, took some time off uh, between law school and undergrad, worked a bit, uh, worked as a representative for a beer importer. I worked uh, as a youth minister that I kept doing while I was in law school, and then I ended up at New York Law School. All right. Now, today, on today's show, we're going to be talking about Greenwood Cemetery. Have you been to Greenwood Cemetery very often? I have, yes. Okay. All right. So we're going to be to- talking to Jeff Greenwood from uh, – uh, I'm sorry – Jeff Richmond from Greenwood Cemetery. Um, he's a historian there, and he, he's talking about a project where they're trying to locate World War II veterans to identify them. You know, and, and of course, a few years back, we, we had Jeff on when we were talking about the Civil War veterans, and they identified over five thousand Civil War veterans buried in Greenwood Cemetery. And a lot of them were Confederates. Did you know yeah. that? So, I did not know that. Uh-huh. Well, General General Garnett is there. And those of you who remember the movie Gettysburg, there's a General Garnett who's part of Pickett's Charge and who gets killed. But he's not the General Garnett that's there. General Garnett was his brother who was killed early in the war, but his wife was from Brooklyn. And she wanted the body interred in Greenwood Cemetery. They, they almost, from what I understand, they almost had to do it in secret, you know, like kind of in the middle of the night type of thing because the Civil War was going on at the time. But there are a number of Confederates there. I think they're, they're two brothers. I forget their names. Buried Greenwood Cemetery, one fought on the Confederate side and one fought on the Union side. Um, and, and there are a lot of great stories at, at Greenwood Cemetery. And those of you who remember the late, great Ed Bars, one time when he was visiting us in Brooklyn, we drove by Greenwood Cemetery, and I happened to mention to him the Henry Halleck, who was chief of staff under Grant and was actually Grant's commander earlier in the war, buried in Greenwood Cemetery, and he's related to the uh, Alexander Hamilton family. He's married into it. And one of our favorite Civil War generals is buried in Greenwood Cemetery, and that's Fighting Tom Sweeney. And at the end, I think we're going to be talking a little bit more about Fighting Tom Sweeney. And those of you who listen to the show or know me, we know Tom Sweeney is one of the great stories and generals of the Civil War. He's the only guy I know who was court-martialed at least three times, should have been court-martialed more than that, and ended up with a general's pension. So, 
truly, truly remarkable story. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Hi, Kevin McCullough, and every week we promise you you're going to get a real-life uh, question answered by the real-life Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan, uh, New York's premier attorney firm uh, for all things related to uh, elder care and estate law. Uh, so here we have uh, a question today, uh, Mike, from Liz M. She says, can you explain the difference between power of attorney and durable power of attorney and a living will, and which one would I need for my parents, Mike Connors? Okay, well, the difference between a power of attorney and a durable power of attorney, a durable power of attorney has language in it that, God forbid, you become physically, mentally disabled where you can't handle things on your own. It's still effective. Now, 90, when we're talking about elder law and estate planning, that's the power of attorney we're talking about. The other power of attorney, just to quote a regular power of attorney, if there is such a thing, uh, is usually between business partners or people, you know, you may have a power of attorney to manage a building for somebody. But a durable power of attorney means, God forbid, you have a stroke or another disabling illness, it's still effective. A living will is outlining your medical decisions, what you may want to do in the event of a terminal illness. If I am terminally ill, I don't want to be resuscitated. If I have a heart attack, things like that. So it's an outline. Also, it's important to health care proxies to make medical decisions, power of attorneys to make financial decisions, and the, and the two don't match. They don't really overlap, uh, but they're both no, important. They don't overlap. Right. What? But they're both important. Uh, they're both for, important, yeah. Yeah. So if you, uh, friends, have questions about either of these, you should be in contact with uh, Connors & Sullivan. Here's their phone number, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Offices in five different locations across the boroughs, and I know that you'll find one conveniently uh, for you. You can also send your questions, because Mike Connors loves to answer them, not only on, on this show, but also Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on his own broadcast on AM 570 and FM 102.3, The Mission, WMCA, and then Sunday mornings starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer, and you can send those questions to askmikeconnors at gmail.com, askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Mike Connors, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. 
The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. You know, next up, we're going to be talking uh, about Greenwood Cemetery. And I'll tell you, Greenwood Cemetery is a great place for history. Um, You know, right now, what we're going to be talking about is the project to identify World War II veterans. And speaking of veterans, I just want to bring something up because I, I see enough times veterans come into our office all the time and they have not gotten their veterans exemption on their real estate because they really don't understand, you know, the rules. And and one of the things, too, in the past, you were not entitled to a veterans exemption if you served between, let's say, 1955 and 1961. In other words, you served between the Korean War and the Vietnam War. Well, right now, you can get an exemption for that time period. So if you're in that time period, and a few years back, somebody said you're not entitled to an exemption well, right now you are. It's not the full exemption that the combat veterans get or the people, you know, that served during time of war. And, and one other thing, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out to Richard Blattis, who reminded me of the other day. Let's say you were in the reserves, and during the postal strike in the 60s, you served on active duty during the postal strike in the 60s. 60s. You are a veteran. You might have delivered mail. You know, I knew one gentleman who was was a postal officer and we had the postal strike and he was called up through his reserves and delivered mail did the same job he was doing before he becomes a veteran because he did active duty during time of war it was during the vietnam war so i I was reminded of that the other day in our bayside office by richard Blattis, and i told him i'd give him a shout out on this so if you're listening richard thank you very much now getting back to, to greenwood cemetery they're trying to identify all the world war ii veterans in the past we've talked uh, Greenwood Cemetery is a burial place of one of our favorite generals, Fighting Tom Sweeney, who was an incredible character during the Civil War. Next, we're going to be talking to Jeff Richmond. we got two separate interviews, one about their current project in World War II, and also we're going to delve into the past a little bit when at Greenwood Cemetery they unveiled the bust to Thomas Francis Marr, Brigadier General in the U.S. Civil War. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With us right now, we have historian for Greenwood Cemetery, Jeff Richmond. And a few years back, we talked about some of the Civil War generals that are in Greenwood Cemetery. But Jeff, you guys have a new project. What's it about? Yes, we do. It is about World War II. And so we uh, 
in 2002 started a civil war project to find what we thought would be maybe 500 civil war veterans and we're over 5,000 at this point that we've identified and written a biography for each of them and then in 2017 as the 100th anniversary of the United States involvement in World War II approach and uh, excuse me World War One approach uh we started looking for World War One veterans and came up with about 200 and we have biographies for them online and so we've thought that uh, we could take advantage of the fact that we still have a lot of people around, certainly in Brooklyn and in all over the country, who have been witnesses to people who served during World War II. And so this is the 80th anniversary of the beginning of the United States involvement in World War II. And we're reaching out to what have turned out to be uh, some spouses, but mostly children of and grandchildren of uh, people who served during World War II. Do you have any estimate on the amount of people in Greenwood Cemetery served in World War II in, in the service? We think that there are quite a few. Uh, the estimate I've seen, the numbers I've seen, is that 320,000 people from Brooklyn served in World War II. And so uh, we certainly, I'm sure, have quite a few of them. Uh, we have just in the month after our press release on this, and we did get some wonderful coverage, uh, we've heard from almost 200 people uh, identifying World War II veterans who are interred at Greenwood. So uh, I think this may mount uh, very quickly. Somebody did a quick newspaper search and came up with a 1,000 newspaper articles that mentioned Greenwood and World War II. And so I think there's a lot out there. There's going to be a, a big project. And let me ask you something. There were 5,000 that you found from the Civil War. Why would there be 5,000 from the Civil War and, let's say, 1,000 from World War II? Well, Greenwood was the place in the 1860s and 70s uh, for New Yorkers to be interred. I think that... Uh, just the numbers have dropped off since then. And so in 1882, I think we were burying more people than we were in 1965. And so I think it's just a function of how many burials we were doing in any particular era. Well, you know, some of the people we're talking about, they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, what are they talking about? Where's Greenwood Cemetery? What is Greenwood Cemetery? Can you give them a little background? Sure, sure. So Greenwood Cemetery is in Brooklyn. We are, if people know Brooklyn a little bit, we're just south of Prospect Park. Uh, we are roughly the size of Prospect Park, and so 478 acres, a green oasis in the midst of urban Brooklyn. We have over 575,000 people interred at Greenwood. And so it is a huge place with a huge population of what we call uh, permanent residents <laughs> and just extraordinary history that we have at Greenwood. So I maintain that virtually any topic of 19th century New York or 19th century America, we could come up with 15 people who pertain to that topic, whether it's the Battle of Antietam or it's uh, 19th century New York silversmiths or a wide variety of topics. And so just extraordinary history there. And what we're trying to do with this World War II project is, in fact, 
reach out to people who we could not reach out for these earlier projects. We didn't have the children of Civil War veterans that could email us or go online to our website and fill out a form with the information that they had or had in their uh, scrapbooks and albums, photographs of these people in uniform and out of uniform. So it's, it's an extraordinary opportunity. Uh, in some ways, I wish we had done this sooner when a, number, uh, a greater number of the World War II veterans were still around and alive and could have interviewed them. But um, we're doing what we can at this point and uh, hope to hear from a lot of people. Let, just a, again, going back for the benefit of the audience, what, what can you give us a little brief history of some of the famous people that are interred at Greenwood Cemetery? Oh, sure, sure. So we have uh, people, I think, that a number of people have heard of. Uh, certainly Jean-Michel Basquiat, uh, the uh, initially graffiti artist who uh, had a painting sell for $110 million not too many years ago, huh. uh, who died in 1988. But he is a uh, place of international pilgrimage. We have people coming from all over the world to pay their respects to him. We have Leonard Bernstein. Uh, up on Battle Hill, and so uh, we're doing an event with the Philharmonic in the uh, upcoming season. Uh, we have Boss Tweed, we have Horace Greeley, the newspaper men. Uh, we have, I think it's 16 Union generals from the Civil War, two Confederate generals from the Civil War, almost 100 Confederates, uh, none of whom were identified on their gravestones as having served the Confederacy, which is uh, interesting, I think. And so, uh, you know, certainly a who's who of 19th century New York. I think the first professional baseball players there, and the guy who invented the box score for those baseball fans, we're getting into baseball season. Yes, yes, we are doing. So I've been doing, uh, since the pandemic uh, lockdown, I've been doing weekly Zoom sessions, Zoom conversations, and we are doing a uh, baseball uh, Zoom uh, tour in uh, the end of uh, March, right before the opening day for the baseball season this year. So we've done baseball tours in there. We have Jim Creighton, who, as you mentioned, is the first national baseball hero, uh, was considered uh, a superstar in his time, died at the age of 21. And according to John Thorne, who is Major League Baseball's official historian, should be in the Hall of Fame. And so imagine that, died when he was 21, when his career had not uh, had an opportunity to really blossom fully. And he, uh, Thorne says he should be in the Hall of Fame. So we have him. We have Henry Chadwick, who was dubbed the father of baseball by none other than President Theodore Roosevelt, and he invented the box score. And so, and the scoring system. So next time someone goes to a baseball game or even sits at home and writes six to four to three for a double play that goes from shortstop to second to first, that will be because of Henry Chadwick's scoring system that he created. And uh, do you know offhand when did uh, Chadwick pass away? 1908. 1908, okay. So I, I think some people out there might be astounded that they were doing box scores on baseball games in the 19th century. Yes, he was very much a pioneer. He was an English immigrant uh, who had learned cricket and came to this country and became the leader. He would uh, 
check out the rule changes every year and approve of them. And he was, he was really the man. Uh, and so he's really uh, quite an extraordinary story. He was a great uh, Dodger fan uh, back in the day, or Brooklyn team, they were the Robins early on. And he, in fact, went to a game between the uh, Brooklyn team and the Giants and became ill shortly thereafter, uh, took to his bed, uh, was unconscious for a while, came out of uh, came out of it and asked who had won the game. And when he was told the Giants, uh, that was his end. And he died right shortly after that. So <laughs> That's quite, a sad story. It's supposed to cheer us up here, not make us sad. So, I mean, do you guys have, I, I'm sure you do, but do you have any plans to reopen the tours up of Greenwood Cemetery? Yes, yes, I'm going to start. So we have a trolley, which is wonderful, and I've been doing pretty much exclusively trolley tours for the last few years because it allows me to uh, do theme tours. And so we can do a uh, black history tour. We can do a civil war tour. We can do a baseball tour and cover the 478 acres of the cemetery. So we're talking about a mile by a mile across and pick out people who are relevant to a particular topic. Uh, Because of the pandemic, we have shut down our trolley tours because we don't want to get people into a small confined space. But I'm going to start, we've been doing walking tours through the winter and I'm going to start doing some walking tours uh, in the spring also. So I'm going to be doing two tours which are an opportunity to kind of uh wander the cemetery with me and walk around and kind of get my perspective on 20 years of working for the cemetery and things that we've accomplished over that time and i'm also doing a uh, memorial day weekend we usually have a free concert with a uh, live uh band and we're not doing that this year, again, because of the pandemic. And so I'm going to be doing a uh, Veterans Tour Memorial Day weekend where we'll walk around and we'll talk about some of the people from the Civil War and World War One and World War Two that we've identified. Do you have any famous personalities from, from World War One and World War II? We've We've gone over some of the Civil War personalities in the past. We do. I... Uh have not looked over the material. I've seen, you know, the World War II information that has come in so far. I've seen uh, people who, uh, service people who landed at Normandy uh, on D-Day. I've seen people who fought across Europe. I've seen uh, one person who was involved in the liberation of the Dachau concentration camp. Uh, I've seen guys who were up on B-24 planes bombing Germany and who were shot down and were held by the Germans as prisoners of war. So there are all sorts of stories that are available to us. On our World War I, uh, we do have uh, a number of uh, generals, if I recall correctly, but no no names kind of come popping out. Uh, off the top of my head. All right, so if somebody has some information, in other words, if you have a relative who's who's interred in Greenwood Cemetery and they were a World War II veteran, what do they do? Uh, well, they can go to our website. So the website is green-wood.com, 
And on the homepage of the website, they will see a uh, World War II box and click on that, and that will open up a form. And the form specifies uh, information to fill in, and they just fill in that information and hit done, and that will then go to me. And if they are not computer conversant, they can call us. We have a uh, special voicemail account set up, and so that would be 718-210-3099, extension 345. May you repeat that, please? Yeah. Sure. 718-210-3099, extension 345. And hopefully leave me an email contact, and then I can get in touch with them. Uh, There are several people who have contacted me who don't have uh, email and uh, don't have computers, and so I'm going to mail them forms for them to fill out, and we'll get the information that way. And then we have uh, a group of volunteers who will be volunteer researchers, and so they'll be checking online for follow-up information, looking for obituaries for uh, many of these people. And then I have volunteer writers who will be writing the biographies that will be posted online. And what we're hoping to do a year or so from now is to have a commemoration at the cemetery and get uh, all of these descendants and friends and neighbors together to honor the service and sacrifice of these people who served during World War II. Jeff Richmond, thank you. Greenwood Cemetery, thank you for what you're doing, keeping history alive, keeping the memory of these veterans alive. And, and we know you did a great job on the, on the Civil War, guys. So hopefully, you know, we'll be praising you for the work that you, you guys end up doing on, on World War II veterans. Well, thank you, Mike, and I certainly hope so. Thank you. Thank you again. Take care. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home. 
that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. A few months ago, we had on author Timothy Egan, and he was talking about General Thomas Francis Marr, whose remains were never found. But we're going to try to make up for that in a few days, because on July 1st, they're going to have an unveiling of a bust of General Marr. And with me right now is Jeff Richmond from Greenwood Cemetery. How are you doing today? Great, great. Okay. So first of all, you know, like some of the people out there obviously know what Greenwood's where Greenwood Cemetery is, what it is. Some people probably have no idea. Can you just tell them? I mean, it's one of the hidden treasures of the city. Yes, and uh, fortunately less hidden than it used to be. And so actually way back uh, 20 years ago, I wrote a book called Brooklyn's Greenwood Cemetery, New York's Buried Treasure. And we have emerged quite significantly since then. So I think uh, the word is spreading about what a great, great place that is. And uh, Greenwood uh, dates to 1838. We are a National Historic Landmark. There are only a handful of cemeteries that have that honor in all of the United States. And we have over 570,000 people interred there. So it is a um, sensational place of history. And we are also a designated arboretum and have about 8,000 trees in there and all sorts of plantings and a great place of 19th century architecture. And so uh, there's a lot uh, to see at Greenwood and a lot going on at Greenwood. All right. Now, a, a couple of weeks ago, the great historian Ed Bars was in Brooklyn, and we drove by Greenwood Cemetery, and I mentioned there are more than a few Civil War generals buried there. Can you tell the audience who is buried there? We have actually, in 2002, we started a Civil War project. And so at the time, we thought that we might find 500 Civil War veterans, and we have now passed the 5,000 mark of Civil War veterans. And so for each of those, we have had volunteers research and write biographies, all of which are online on our website. And we have 16 Union generals, including General Halleck, uh, who commanded all Union forces, uh, armies during the Civil War. And uh, we also have two Confederate generals, uh, General Robert Selden Garnett, who was killed at Cheat River in what's now West Virginia, has the distinction of being the first general killed in battle during the Civil War. And also Nathaniel Harrison Harris, who was from Mississippi and uh, was involved in the very last defenses in April of 1865 around uh, Petersburg. And we have discovered uh, almost 100 Confederates, who came up uh, primarily to Brooklyn for the economic opportunity with the Southern economy in collapse and established themselves up there and got themselves buried uh, at Brooklyn, including uh, David Bridgeford, who was the provost marshal of the Army of Northern Virginia and signed many of the passes at Appomattox Courthouse to allow the officers to go uh, home and plant their crops in the spring of 1865 after they had surrendered. And uh, we have uh, many fascinating stories of the Civil War. 
Now, on July 1st, General Thomas Francis Marr, commander of the Irish Brigade, I didn't know too recently his wife, his widow, was buried at uh, Greenwood Cemetery? She is. He was actually married twice, and so this is his second wife, Elizabeth Townsend Marr. And she actually, there uh, was a Townsend uh, iron uh, foundry up uh, along the Hudson, and the chain that was put across the Hudson at West Point during the Revolutionary War was uh, founded, was made by her family, her ancestors at the uh, Townsend Foundry. And she married him. she converted, uh, she was a Protestant. She converted to Catholicism and long lamented. Actually, he disappeared in 1867 and his body was never recovered uh, out in the Montana Territory along the Missouri River near Fort Benton. And uh, she lamented that he had no final resting place. And so Early on in our Civil War project, uh, we actually had rededicated New York City's Civil War monument in Greenwood in 2002, and we had about 75 reenactors there at the time. And uh, I was thanking them for coming out, and they were thanking me and telling me what an honor it had been. It occurred to me I had long been fascinated by the Civil War. I had been a trustee of my local uh, Civil War roundtable and that we should really be looking for Civil War soldiers. And so one of the first things I did was to start searching the Brooklyn Eagle online and various terms to try to find people associated with the Civil War. And up popped an obituary from 1906 for Elizabeth Townsend Marr uh, describing her as the widow of the famous general and uh, so that's what got me started. And also that one of the regiments in the Irish Brigade had been named Mrs. Morris Regiment in her honor. And so uh, we started to research and uh, made efforts to raise some money for an appropriate monument for him and a sort of final resting place for him, uh, despite the fact that his body is not, in fact, at Greenwood, and as I said, was never recovered. All right, now the the ceremony is going to be on July 1st at 1 o'clock? That's correct. And where will we meet? We will meet uh, as you come into Greenwood at its main entrance, 25th Street and 5th Avenue in Brooklyn. Just proceed up the road. You'll pass the security guard and the arches, the brownstone facaded entrance to the cemetery. And just past that on the right is a uh, American flagpole, and we will meet there. There will be transportation out. We do have a trolley that accommodates about 55 people, and so we will shuttle people out uh, to the gravesite. All right, so it's 1 p.m. July 1st, Greenwood Cemetery, 5th Avenue and 25th Street. Open to the public? Open to the public, absolutely. And then there'll be a reception hosted by the County Waterford uh, Association of New York after the dedication. Also, I'll be leading a trolley tour starting at 3 o'clock of uh, Irish Americans at Greenwood. And just one more point. It's on July 1st because that will be the 150th anniversary of his disappearance. Uh, He was the acting governor 
of the Montana Territory after the Civil War and disappeared July 1st of 1867. And so this will be exactly 150 years later that we unveil this bronze bust by Michael Karapian, who has done a uh, sensational job on it. And we have donors who have donated to the bust uh, through the County Waterford Association and then donors who have donated for the granite base upon which the bust will be through the Greenwood Historic Fund. And so we're very excited finally to do this. We did in 2008 unveil a uh, cenotaph, a granite marker from the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, and that was very exciting for us. Also, we had uh, a proclamation from the then governor of Montana. Uh, Mar is still huge in Montana. And uh, there's an equestrian statue outside the state capitol in Helena of him uh, with his sword raised over his head, which is appropriate because he was known as Mar of the Sword for his impassioned speeches that he gave, both on behalf of Irish independence and also on behalf of the Union. All right, so July 1st, honoring the immortal Irishman, to borrow Timothy Egan's book title, General Thomas Francis Marr, Greenwood Cemetery, 5th Avenue and 25th Street, July 1st at 1 o'clock. Thank you for uh, telling us about this, Jeff, and we'll hope to see you there. Okay, great. Thank you very much. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death, and it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable... I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Again, that was one of our older interviews, so there is, of course, nothing happening this July 1st, but um, that was that was back for the commemoration of the bust of Thomas Francis Marr over at Greenwood Cemetery. Now, of course, Marr isn't the only one of our favorite Irish generals honored there at Greenwood Cemetery. One of our favorites is, in fact, buried there, and that is who, Dad? Fighting Tom Sweeney. And Fighting Tom was uh, court-martialed a number of times, and one of the times he was court-martialed, was when he assaulted his superior general. He was a division commander, and he physically assaulted, or actually the the corps commander, General Dodge, Dodge City, physically assaulted Tom Sweeney. 
after an exchange of words. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody can give those words better than our friend, the immortal Ed Bars. Sweetie will turn on him with an angry eruption of exorbitant. Sweetie, you are a goddamn liar, sir. Note the sir. Then Sweetie thinks better of it. Sweetie will then say, Sweetie had addressed a superior officer, sir. Then Sweetie says, you are a cowardly son of sir. And then he adds up as he takes the swing at, as Dodge takes the swing at him. You are, you are a goddamned inefficient son of a sir. As, as this Dodge, who has no, has both arms, takes a swing at, at Sweeney and is going to uh, uh, sock Dodge in the nose. Then the three generals will, uh, then joined by, uh, by Fuller, they will both turn on Sweeney. All three generals broke into a, a disgraceful rough and tumble while amazed subordinates looked on in horror. Finally, the three were separated. Sweeney was placed under arrest. Welcome back again to Ask the Lawyer. Uh, again, the quotes you heard from where Ed Bars, who was he passed away regrettably this year at the age of 97, and Ed was a World War II veteran himself. Uh, he, in Battle of Solomon Islands, he took, uh, I think, three bullets to his left arm and effectively lost use, lost the use of his left arm, took one bullet in his right shoulder and really couldn't move his, his shoulder very high, his arm very high. So, you know, true American hero. After the war, he rehabbed, and then he went to Georgetown, started work at the uh, National Park Service, stayed there for 50-some-odd years, and in the meanwhile, memorized every battlefield report of the Civil War. And like I said, one day we were, he, he was visiting up here in New York, and he was staying at our house, and we drove by Greenwood Cemetery, and I happened to mention to him that uh, that uh, Fighting Tom Sweeney was buried there, and Ed always thought of Fighting Tom Sweeney as his hero because, you know, Tom Sweeney lost his lost his arm in the Mexican War and was still able to beat up two other generals with his one <laughs> with his one arm Impressive. of two 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 armed generals. You know, one was an Englishman, which we didn't get in. So Tom Sweeney and Fuller, General Fuller had a long history of antagonistic behavior toward each other and uh, you know but, I mean can you imagine can you imagine being being the general who you know you pick a, f- a fight with a one-armed man with somebody else on your side and you lose <laughs> yeah maybe that says something about those but, generals but what did grant say about sweeney well he said it wasn't a real battle unless sweeney got wounded <laughs> you know so i mean tom sweeney was wounded all the time and oh. you know because he was out front and, and, you know, the things about he had a great military career, not even talk about the Mexican War where he lost, I think, his left arm, um, not just the Mexican War, but he fought Indians out west, had some incredible feats out there out west, uh, was court-martialed for torturing a guy to death, but 
<laughs> you know, no for deserting, but of course nobody deserted after he did that, so he got off on that. Those were different times. And then he, uh, you know, he got court-martialed for hitting his commanding officer, but again, the commanding officer, General Judge, threw the first punch, so that got Sweeney off that one. Then he led an invasion of Canada, but they didn't even arrest, they arrested him for it, but they didn't court-martial him. And then finally at the end, uh, he was court-martialed for lewdness, um, being in the presence, I think, of a lewd woman and urinating in public on St. Patrick's Day in Atlanta after the Civil War. Well, between Marr and Sweeney, you know, it's still St. Patrick's Month, so right. we covered a few great, good stories for you. We hope we kept you entertained on that front. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll have to do another show on Tom Sweeney sometime soon, but we won't have Ed Bars to help us. But no. we're still going to be able to use some of his quotes. Listen, coming to the end of March, Easter's coming up soon. Have a blessed Easter, blessed Passover, and we'll see you next week at the same times. Thank Bye-bye. you so much for joining us. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this all the way. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this all the way. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.